0: Good morning. Welcome to Northwoods. We are so excited that you're here joining us today. And hey, if it's your first time, we have a special invite for you, and that's actually to text us. You can just text the word new to the number that's going to come up on your screen. And that's actually going to put you in conversation with one of us or, or one of our other pastors on the team. We would love to get to know you and just to help you, again, get connected here at Northwoods and answer any questions you might have about getting more involved here at the church.
1: Now, for everyone else, if you're like a regular attender, Mm -hmm. this is the time that you go ahead and take your phone out and open up the Northwoods mobile app and fill out the connection card. Let us know you're here. We want to (laughs) know. We want to connect with you also. Let us know how we can be praying for you. And this is a great place to get some extra information and get registered for some of the different Mm -hmm. events that you're going to hear about a little bit later in the service. So fill out that connection card and let us know you're here.
0: Yeah, for sure. And while you have your phone out, this is probably things you don't hear all the time in church, but we're very Mm -hmm. pro using your phone in church. And that is that we have a series coming up, actually not for a little while, not Mm -hmm. until after Easter, but it's called You Asked For It. And we're actually requesting your submissions for ideas of what we're gonna teach about that whole series. I think it's five weeks long, Mm -hmm. so we're gonna vote on our top questions. So if you have a question about God, about Christianity, spirituality, whatever it may be, whatever question is on your heart, and I invite you to go ahead and pull out your phone and text that question to us today.
1: Well, if you've been around Northwoods for very long at all, you know that we have an incredible student ministry and children's ministry here. Yeah. They do incredible <laughs> stuff with the kids to the point that kids are begging to come. They want yes. their parents to bring them. <laughs> and we can't have a kind of ministry like that without some incredible volunteers. So true. And we want to invite you to be a part mm-hmm. of this team, whether you are enjoy, you know, helping with teenagers or maybe holding babies or toddlers or playing games with some of those <laughs> Middle age kids, they need you yeah. to come in, play games with them, talk about Jesus, and just have fun. Yes. So if you are interested in volunteering in any of those areas, we'd love to for you to just sign up mm-hmm. by going to the link right there on your screen or clicking in the connection card that I just mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. It
0: is so fun to serve in Next. Mm-hmm. I know Janine, yep. you served there for a lot of years. Yep. My husband and I are just wrapping up our time in the high school ministry, and it's crazy, it's fun, but it, it, it is just a blast in the Payoff yes. is awesome when you it get is. to see the impact that you're making. So mm-hmm. for sure, check that out. Even just one service a month can make such a big difference. Yep. So anywho, the last few things we wanna invite you to do are to go ahead and join the chat and let us know who you are, where you're tuning in from mm-hmm. today, get to meet some other people this morning. And as always, if you need prayer today, we would love to be praying with you. So click that request prayer button and that will connect you with someone on our team. So I think all right. that's all that we have. Let's that's jump into worship.
2: Well, good morning, Northwoods. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to worship God this morning. Sing it out with me. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind? You Till I miss
3: Amen. Well, church, we're going to prepare our hearts for communion this morning. And we're going to do that by actually singing a song. Trey is going to lead us. But it's a little different than what we're used to. It's actually, it's written from the perspective of Jesus speaking to us. And so in these few moments we have, I want to encourage you to, You can stand you can sit whatever works best for you or during the song to just reflect on what jesus did there at the cross to set your heart and your mind on him and to commit yourself to him afresh so in these moments it's just you and the lord you talk to him you invite him thank him for what he did there at the cross the song's done i'll come back and i'll lead us in communion Everything there at the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Church, if you've got your elements with you, you go ahead and grab those. You can go ahead and get that, that wafer that represents his body. night he was betrayed, before he went to the cross, he looked at his disciples, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this bread is my body, broken for you. As often as you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me." As you partake today, I want you to just think about the fact that Jesus, yes, he died for the sins of the world, but he died for you. His body is broken for you. So Jesus, we say thank you. And Lord, we receive all the life, all the blessing, healing that comes to us, the forgiveness that comes to us through your broken body. Partake together. and open the cup the same way that he took the bread Jesus took the cup that night and he said this cup is the new covenant it's the new agreement between God and man it represents his blood shed for the forgiveness of sins That today you and I can know friendship with God because of this blood so Jesus we say thank you again for how your blood has washed us cleansed us of our sin we say thank you for the power of your blood to heal to forgive to restore Lord, we receive it today with grateful hearts Let's to partake together so jesus hear us today lord we're thankful thank you for the cross Thank you for all you did. Holy Spirit, would you touch our hearts again today afresh with what Jesus did there at the cross. We love you, Lord. We give you the praise. In Jesus' name, everyone said. Amen. Come on, would you stand? We're going to sing one more song to the Lord this morning.
2: Is built on nothing less
3: than Jesus blood and a righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only trust in Jesus' name. Come on, sing it again. So... Oh. Savior, come on, would you just tell Him in your own words this morning, just begin to thank Him, just begin to thank Him, begin to declare who He is,
2: the Savior of the world, the Alpha and Omega, He's the name above every other name.
3: to see all praise, all honor, all glory and power and blessing forevermore. God, we thank you today. You are the foundation of all our trust and hope, all our faith. You're who it's all about. We say we love you this morning, Jesus. Everyone said, amen, amen. All right, church, before you find your seats, find a few people next to you, tell them good morning, tell them they're looking good. All right, as you're finding your seats, go ahead and check out the screens for some
4: announcements. Good morning and welcome to Northwoods. My name is Bruce, and on behalf of the entire staff, we are so happy that you're with us this morning. And whether you're here with us live or you're watching from your location, thank you so much for being with us here at Northwoods. Listen, if you are brand new, I'd like you to do something right now. Please take out your phone and text the word NEW to the number on your screen. And we simply want to connect with you and help answer any questions that you might have so that you can learn more about ways and which Northwoods can serve you and if you're here live with us we invite you after the service to stop out in our lobby and visit our new here kiosk Uh, just allows us to have that in-person connection with you as well. Now, listen, for everyone else, we also want you to take out your phones and we want you to open up the Northwoods app. The first thing you can do is go to the connection card. This allows us to know that you're joining us as well this morning, but there's also an opportunity for you to submit prayer requests. And we have a team of people that are ready to pray for every single request that is submitted this morning. As the Student Life Pastor, I get to be part of the Next Gen Ministry and work with our children's pastor and our entire Next Gen Ministry team. And one of the things that we are passionate about is loving, caring, teaching, and discipling uh, children and students and supporting the families. It is something that we are passionate about because we know that children and students are the future of the church. And so we actually have a goal, and that goal is 100 New volunteers to serve in our next gen ministries. So that's Discovery Land, Quest, and Converge. And so we just want to encourage you to consider whether God might have a place for you to serve in NextGen Ministries, uh, whether it's holding uh, newborn babies or crawling on the floor with toddlers or teaching or being part of small group discipleship opportunities with students. Uh, we want to encourage you to consider being part of this ministry. Uh, not only do you get to pour into the lives of students and see the power of God working Working in their lives, but it will also encourage you and perhaps give you an opportunity to use the gifts and abilities that God has given you. So I want to encourage you if that's something you'd like to consider, you can go to Northwoods.church slash opportunities. You can go to the opportunities finder on our website. But also, if you're with us this morning, we want to invite you to come out to the lobby and stop by our table and just have a discussion with us to learn about the different opportunities where you might serve in next gen ministries. Now Spring is right around the corner, and that leads to one of the most incredible outreach ministries that Northwoods provides, and it's going to be on Saturday, April 1st. No fooling. It is our oil change for single moms and widows. And so if that's you, uh, we would love to just bless you by bringing your car in and we provide an oil change for you uh, and just care for you as we care for your vehicle. Uh, But if you know someone who is a single mom or a widow, we encourage you to invite them to come and be part of this ministry. And you go to northwoods.church slash oil change. And then coming up this Thursday at six o'clock, we have our group launch. Listen, we know here at Northwoods uh, that we are not meant to do life alone. And being part of a Christian community is something that we place a high value on. And even as adults, sometimes life can feel kind of lonely. We get busy with our lives and sometimes we just find ourselves kind of disconnected from others. And so we want to invite you to come This Thursday at six o'clock where you can actually be introduced and meet other people and be placed into a small group and begin your journey of being encouraged and also encouraging others as you have fellowship and do community together. This is also your last reminder to submit any questions or topic ideas for Pastor John's series that's going to start after Easter titled, You Asked For It. So if you have any questions or ideas, please send those by March 8th to the number on your screen. Folks, and finally, uh, I just want to thank you so much for your faithful and generous giving. Uh, I hope that it never gets old when you hear each week how your generosity helps fuel every ministry at Northwoods. And listen, we wanna try to make it as easy for you as we can to give. And so you can give online, you can give through the Northwoods app, Uh, You can even text in order to give. Or if you're here, you can drop off your giving in any one of our secure drop boxes on our campus. But again, the bottom line is thank you so much for your faithfulness and we are greatly appreciative of how you are part of God working through Northwoods. And so now just want to ask you to sit back and enjoy being fed as we welcome Pastor John as he comes and teaches us this morning.
5: Well, good morning, Northwoods. How's everybody doing this morning? Good to hear. Great to be with you. And for those of you tuning in online. Great to have you with us as well as long as uh, uh, along with our Canton campus. And uh, you know last Sunday you heard my brother, he was speaking last Sunday. Nathan mentioned that our fourth child had not yet been born. And uh, not long after the second service last week, um, we ended up heading to the hospital, Michaela and I. And that night at 8.45 p.m., Michaela and I welcomed our fourth child, Luke Charles Rickner. We had a boy. <laughs> so it was a surprise to us. We were both sure that we were probably going to have a girl. I don't know why we thought that, but that's just where we were at because I guess we had, I think in my family there's eight granddaughters and my, uh, my son is the only boy, so like will probably be a girl. But it was a boy. And uh, both mom and baby are doing well. Our other kids are super excited about baby Luke, baby Yuke, as my two-year-old calls him. And uh, again, it's been a good week. We're a little bit tired, but we're making it. And uh, so church, I want to thank you again for your prayers for us over the last several months. Everything uh, went, went smoothly. We even got to get out of the hospital right at the 24-hour mark. And so I was a happy dad. I was like, get me out of here and get me home. And so uh, it it was good. So thank you again, church, uh, for your prayers. You know, today we kick off a new two-week series that I've titled Tithing Explained. And uh, I got this uh, idea from a a show on a popular streaming service. There's There's a series out there called Explained. I've never actually watched the series before. Uh, But they go through and explain things. And I just thought I had the idea, like, you know what, that'd be cool. if Someone would do something called, you know, the Bible explained or or things in the Bible that sometimes we wonder about and have questions about. And so this is kind of where I got the idea. And so we're going to explore tithing over the next couple of weeks. Now, growing up, tithing, I'll say, was normative for me because my parents not only taught it to us, but they modeled it for my siblings and I. But just because it was normative doesn't mean it was easy for me. And I can still remember somewhere around second or third grade, I had, I had a birthday and I received somewhere around you know, the neighborhood of $150 in total from birthday cards. And so I had this big wad of cash. I would keep it in my top dresser drawer, just got a big wad of cash and I'd look at my money. And I remember my parents saying, just as a suggestion, they didn't say you have to do this, they just said, hey, you should think about giving 10% back to God. Now again, they weren't forcing me to do that, they just offered it as a suggestion. And I remember when they suggested that to me, I was like, really? You're telling me to give, that would be $15 of my 150 back to God? I don't know if you know this, but I don't have any other way of making money. I'm in second grade. You don't give me an allowance. And my birthday comes only one time a year. This is the most money I've, never ha- I've ever had. And you're telling me to give $15 back to God. You know, they used to say, well, John, you know, it's, it's all, all the money we have is all his anyway. I'm like, okay, but I didn't see a card from God when I got this money. I didn't see his name on one of the cards. This is grandma, grandpa, friends. And so I, I, would, I can still remember in my room crying, holding my cash as a child saying, I don't wanna give 10% back to God. And I remember having questions. I don't understand why this is a big deal. Why do people do this? You know, I, I, we used to say, you know, if, if God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, why does he need my $15, right? Saying this as a kid, I had a lot of questions. And in a similar fashion, I think that that many times today, some of us we have questions about tithing. What does it mean to tithe? Is tithing a suggestion? Or is it a a commandment, an obligation? Is it is there just a made up teaching that, that churches use to try and get people's money? I think we all have questions when it comes to tithing. We can have questions. And so in this short two week series, we're gonna explore what the Bible has to say about tithing. Now, if you've grown up in church your whole life, you've probably heard the word tithing, you get it. But if you haven't, even the word tithing can can seem like a foreign concept. So just to be clear, let's start with just a very, I'm gonna walk through some questions this morning. Let's start with just a very basic question. Make sure we're all on the same page. And here's the first question. What is the tithe? What is the tithe? When you hear people say, I tithe, what is that? Well, the word translated tithe in the Bible literally means tenth or tenth part. One Hebrew dictionary stated it this way. A tenth part, i.e., the setting aside of a tenth of goods or money, given as a gift or offering. So it's a, it's a tenth, a tenth of goods or money given as a gift or offering. In fact, the earliest place we see the idea of tithing mentioned is found in the book of Genesis, the very first book of your Bible, and it happens in an exchange between Melchizedek and Abram, who we know would later become Abraham. Abraham. It says in Genesis 14, verses 18 through 20, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, and some scholars believe that when they say king of Salem, that he may have been the king of Jerusalem. He brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high, and he blessed Abram, saying, blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. And look at what it says. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything, a 10th of everything. And that word 10th is the same Hebrew word that is translated as tithe in many other places in the Old Testament. So when you hear the word tithe, just know it means it speaks of a 10th that's given as a gift or an offering. So you can think about a dime on every dollar, 10%. And as you read further on in the Old Testament, we find that tithing was something God commanded the people of Israel to do. For example, in the book of Levit- Levit- Leviticus, we're gonna jump around a little bit here. Leviticus says, twenty-seven, chapter 27, verse 30, a tithe of everything from the land, we're talking about a tenth, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So, the Israelites are to give a tenth. This is an agrarian society. They're to, to bring a tenth of their crops. It belongs to the Lord. Now, where would that tithe go? We find that the tithe would be given to the Levites. This was the tribe of Israel who was in charge of taking care of the tabernacle. Look at what it says elsewhere in the book of Numbers, Numbers 18. The Lord said to Aaron, You will have no inheritance in their land, nor will you have any share among them. I am your share and your inheritance among the Israelites. So understand that the Levites were not given a share of land. The Lord is their inheritance. But it says, I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in return for the work they do while serving at the tent of meeting. And if you read further, you see that the Levites would then tithe off of the tithe they received goes on to say in verse 26 of Numbers, speak to the Levites and say to them, when you receive from the Israelites the tithe I give you as your inheritance, you must present a tenth of that tithe as the Lord's offering. So the Israelites would tithe to the Levites, the Levites would tithe off of that to the high priests. So we're jumping around a little bit here, but I just want you to kind of catch a snapshot of tithing in the Old Testament. It speaks of a tenth, and most of the passages that deal with tithing have to do with laws that the Lord gave specifically to the people of Israel. So this leads us to the next question. And it's this, are Christians obligated to adhere to Old Testament tithing laws? These are laws God gave to Israel. So. Do these apply to us? Are we obligated to adhere to them in the same way that the people of Israel did? So understand the question is not whether we should be generous with our money. The Bible is clear that we should. But the question that many wonder about is whether or not Old Testament laws concerning tithing are still binding on us today. And you know, I think the reason that we get confused here is that many times we struggle to know which of the Old Testament laws apply to today? In fact, many people, you'll see this, want to discredit the Bible and Christians. So they'll, they'll read the Old Testament laws and then criticize Christians for not carrying them all out. So for example, let me show you a couple of memes I've come across that had to do with the dietary laws given to Israel concerning pork. This is one I saw Christians be like, God bless this pork that you commanded us not to eat. That's someone making a meme off of a, a, a law given, a dietary law given to Israel. And then this is, this is another one I like. It's a picture of Tim Tebow, professional football player, and then it says Leviticus 11:8. So it's getting at the idea that here's a professional football player, he's praying to God, and yet he's going out and touching the pig skin, playing football. So someone reading those, again Leviticus 11 says you must not eat their meat or touch their carcasses. They are unclean for you, talking about pigs. So someone reading that at face value questions why Christians would eat pork or touch the pig skin, another name for a football. But what these people fail to understand is that the particular passage in Leviticus would fall under ceremonial laws which do not apply to Christians today and beyond that footballs are made out of cowhide not pig skin so get it right all right yeah amen so i've always found it helpful to think of old testament laws as falling into a threefold division and so let me explain this briefly because it'll help shed light on the question about tithing okay there are moral laws in the old testament Moral laws, these are laws that are based on the character of God, which are forever applicable to all people at all times in all places. So for example, when the Bible says in the 10 Commandments, you shall not murder. That's a moral law that is carried over into the New Testament, that is applicable to all people at all times. Okay, so that's an example of moral laws. Okay, Then there are ceremonial laws. Which had to do with religious rituals or ceremonies surrounding Israel's worship. Part of this would include sacrifices. So they would sacrifice animals. We don't sacrifice animals anymore because Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice. So we don't need to go back and shed the blood of animals. Jesus is our ultimate sacrifice, and through his blood, our sin has been atoned for once and for all. So think of it this way you know, for example, Many times, you know, you don't see this a whole lot today. You'll see it sometimes. But many times in a wedding ceremony, bride will come down the aisle and she'll have a veil over her face, right? It's maybe some of you did that when you got married. And so as you go through the, the, the ceremony, when it comes time, you know, you've, you've pronounced them husband and wife. The veil is taken back and you can kiss the bride baby. Mm-hmm, here we go. Okay, so the, the, the veil's taken off. Now I want you to think about this. Would it be odd if after the wedding ceremony the bride said, oh, I'm going I'm to put this veil back on and I'm going to keep wearing this around? Yes. Well, why would that be odd? Because we're beyond that now. It's the same with us. Having been united with Christ, we don't need to go back and practice ceremonial laws that God gave to Israel. Those were a shadow of what was to come in Jesus Christ. So there are moral laws, which apply to all people at all times and all places. There are ceremonial laws, which were very specific to Israel, that we don't don't practice today because, again, they were a shadow of the reality that was to come in Jesus Christ. And then there are civil laws. These were laws given to Israel, teaching them how to maintain a civil society and how to live as a nation in the ancient Near East. So civil laws would be those that might include uh, certain penalties, for breaking a law. These were given to Israel. So these laws do not apply to us today except for the principles that we glean from these. So there's moral law, ceremonial law, civil law. So when we come to the tithe, as we find it in the Old Testament law portions, we could categorize it under ceremonial and civil laws. It's ceremonial in that this, is, this was a part of their worship, but it's also civil because this is, this is almost like tantamount to some of a, of a tax. So it is a ceremonial uh, civil law given to Israel. And just as we aren't required to follow the dietary laws, we're no longer bound to the laws concerning the tithe in Israel. Do you understand that? So are Christians obligated to adhere to Old Testament laws concerning tithing? The answer is no. Now some of you are like, "Whoo! all right, I'm breathing easier now, thank the Lord. But listen, just because it's not a law for us, in no way means that it's, that it's irrelevant to us. So here's the next question we need, to, we need to get at. Okay, it's not law for us, but should Christians give back to God a portion of their finances? And the answer to that question is a resounding yes. Tithing is a principle that runs throughout the Bible. You know, the passage I showed you in Genesis, that spoke of tithing, and that passage predates the ceremonial and civil laws given to Israel by over 400 years. It wasn't a law then, but yet it still happened. If you look forward to the New Testament, you'll be hard pressed to find a New Testament believer that was not a giver. One scholar said it this way, just as the New Testament knows nothing of an unbaptized Christian or a churchless Christian, so also the New Testament knows nothing of a Christian who does not give faithfully and generously to the work of God. I'll show you one more passage, and then we're gonna jump into 2 Corinthians chapter eight. There's one passage here I wanna show you in 1 Corinthians 16. Apostle Paul's writing, he says, now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. So this is what he's teaching churches. On the first day of every week, what's the first day? Sunday. As they're gathering, just like we are right now, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will, be ha- will have to be made. So he's saying, set it aside so when I come, I don't, we don't have to you know pass the plates. It's, just, it's already here, ready to go. This is what Paul was teaching in the churches. Now, a couple of things I want you to notice here. It said on the first day of the week, speaking of Sunday, when they were gathering for church, just like we are now, they were setting aside money to be given to further the work of the Lord. This was taught and practiced in the earliest churches. This is why you hear us every week. We talk about giving during announcements. You just heard. Uh, Pastor Bruce, talk about just thank you again for your giving. And we don't talk about giving because, you know, we're just money hungry. It's because this is how God ordained for local churches to be funded and resourced. When we give, I say this all the time, we help fuel the growth of all that God is doing through this church and our community and all around the world. For example, when you give here, yes, it goes to fund the ministries uh, that, that happen here. But also, I want you to think about this, because every we, we give well over 10% of what comes in here back to other ministries and missions around the world. In fact, you heard me say th- say thank you at the beginning of the year, because there was we took in over and above the amount we had budgeted. And so what we did, we took that overage and we tithed off of that, again, to ministries, and we sent that out. Again, you're helping to fuel the growth of what God is doing to this church in our community and around the world. This is how God ordained it to work. Now listen, I also want you to hear that the first day of the week when he said that, I think it also has application for giving back to God before you go about anything else. Said so on the first day of the week, set it aside. What do I mean by that? Meaning, we don't get our paycheck, pay all the bills, you know, get all the groceries, hit up Starbucks every day, pay for all the streaming services, subscriptions, And then if we have anything left, say, oh, I got a couple bucks left, here you go, God. I think first day of the week, when he's talking about first, there's a sense in which Paul is saying, don't give God your leftovers. You give him the first fruits. And we've said it this way before, that when the first is blessed, so is the rest. Giving is a principle that runs throughout the Bible. And so what I want to do with the rest of our time and next week is we're going to dive into one of the most profound teachings on giving in the New Testament. And today we're going, to pour, we're going to pull four truths out of this passage that teach us how to think about giving. So if you have your Bible and you want to follow along, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. We'll also have it on the screens today. Now let me give you some context here as you're, as you're turning there, okay? Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and he's been traveling to churches, taking up an offering for the poor in Jerusalem. And the people of Corinth knew of this previously and had basically filled out the pledge card saying here's how much we're gonna pledge to this you know, endeavor, this, this work in Jerusalem. Here's what we're pledging towards this effort. But now a while's passed, and Paul writes because they are failing to follow through on their pledge. So they made a pledge, but now they're failing to fulfill that. And so Paul writes and appeals to them to follow through, and he uses the example of another church that has much less but yet gave generously. So he uses the example of the Macedonian church. And so we're going to work our way through the first seven verses of 2 Corinthians 8. And here's the first truth we see. I'm going to give this to you, and we'll we'll unpack it here. We'll explain it. Here's the first truth. Giving is fueled by God's grace, not human goodness. Giving is fueled by God's grace, not human goodness. Look at what he starts by saying. He says, and now, this is in verse 1, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. And he's gonna go on to talk about how their extreme poverty welled up in generosity. But he starts by calling it the grace that God had given them. Now I want you to notice, he didn't say, I wanna talk to you about the goodness of the people in the Macedonian churches. They're really good people, that's great. But he said, I wanna talk to you about the grace of God that's been given the Macedonian churches. He said, I want you to know about the grace of God that's at work in the Macedonian churches. And as we read on, you'll find he uses the word grace several times, verse one, verse four, verse seven. And I think he's telling us that giving is fueled by God's grace at work in our hearts. This means that when we give, we should never be in a place of saying or thinking, man, look at how good I am. Let me walk on over to the, the box over there and just have everybody watch this. Mm, put this envelope in. There you go. Look at me. I'm good. I, I did this. You know, there's always a part of us that wants, that, that, that seems to creep in and has this idea. I just want, I kind of want people to know that I gave. But when we understand that giving is fueled by God's grace at work in us, we can't take credit for what He's doing through us. All we have comes from him, and it's his grace that fuels our giving. Not my effort, not my goodness, all glory goes to him. In fact, part of the evidence of his grace at work in my heart is generosity flowing from my life. When God's grace is at work in me, generosity will flow from my life. We see this in this passage. So that's the first truth. Here's the second truth that teaches us how to think about giving. Giving is connected to the attitude of our heart and not the circumstance of our life. Giving is connected to the attitude of our heart and not the circumstance of our life. Let's read on in verses 2 through 4. He goes on to say, In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. So think about this. Here's a group of people who it says were in extreme poverty. And yet it says it welled up in rich generosity. And it says they actually pleaded have the privilege of giving i can see paul saying okay hey we're not gonna listen you guys you're good we're not even gonna come and ask we know that you're you're really struggling so hey this isn't for they say no 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 hold up don't 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 let us be out of this we want to give we want to be a part of this and i think we need to let this scripture deal with our hearts this morning because i think it's safe to say that listening today the majority of us have not known extreme, extreme poverty in the way the Macedonians did. We live in America, one of the most affluent countries in the world. And yet, when hard times come on us financially, when things get tight, often we use it as an excuse not to give. I, listen, I'll be the first to admit, there have been times in my life where I have let the circumstance of my life be the justification for why I'm not going to give. When things get tight, it seems like it's the perfect reason not to give. But yet, when I look at the scripture, it's the exact opposite. In fact, the Macedonians had every right to say, we should be the ones receiving everyone else's gift. Y'all should be the ones given to us. And yet here they are saying, no, 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 let let us be a part. We want to be a part of giving. We know it's not much, but we want to be a part of this. See, their giving, I want you to recognize, was connected to the attitude of their heart, not the circumstance of their life. If their giving was just dependent upon their circumstances, well, they wouldn't have given. But it's connected to the attitude of their heart. Now, for the Macedonians, their circumstances were extreme poverty, but i've seen this go the other way where we at times can let how much we make be the circumstance that hinders our giving because you know 10% of 10 dollars doesn't seem as significant as 10% of 10,000 or 100,000 and i remember the old joke you probably my my dad used to tell it it's always i've always remembered it about the man who came forward after the church service about a man who came forward after a church service to talk with the pastor. And he said, you know, pastor, when I was making $5,000 a year, it was really easy to just tithe 10%, 500 bucks. But you know, the Lord's really blessed me and now I'm making 500,000 a year and I just can't bring myself to part with $50,000. That's a whole lot more money than 500. So he said, so pastor, would you just pray for me And the pastor said, sure, I'd love to do that. Come on over here, let me me lay my hand on you. He said, Lord, I pray you would reduce this man's income back to (laughs) 5,000 so that he can start giving again. As soon as the pastor starts praying, the man says, no, 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 stop, don't pray that. See, again, here's someone who needed an attitude, kind of an attitude adjustment. It's not the circumstance, it's the attitude of my heart. And I think we need to allow God to give us all a reality check. Are we letting the circumstances of our life be what dictates whether or not we give? Or is our giving flowing out of an attitude that says, I'm gonna give no matter the circumstances because I don't wanna miss out on the blessing of giving? Jesus said, (laughs) yeah, you can clap for that. Jesus said, it's more blessed, Paul was or in Acts, not here, Paul, in a book of Acts, they're quoting, and it says, from Jesus, Jesus' word is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, you might say, okay, well, how am I blessed when I give? Well, we're gonna talk more about this next week as we dive into Second Corinthians 9. But as we give, and we'll see this, God always, God blesses us with more, not so that we have more, but so that we can be even more generous. But at a minimum, we could say that God blesses us with joy. I want you to recognize that it says, if you look back at that passage, it says their overflowing joy welled up in rich generosity. So I think there's a sense in which their joy produced giving, but there's also a sense in which giving produces more joy in our lives. See, many of us fall into the trap of believing if I had more money, I'd have more joy. But just look around. Some of the richest people in the world are some of the most miserable people in the world. Now listen, I'm not saying it's wrong to be rich, to have a lot of money. God has blessed some people that way. But listen, if being rich, if the motivation is just all about living for yourself, understand it's not gonna bring you joy. Doesn't matter how much you get. But living for the Lord, putting him first, that's where joy is found, is in putting him first. Now, here's the next truth we see. Truth number three. Giving starts with the giving of our heart, not our money. Giving starts with the giving of our heart, not our money. Let's read on in verse five. Again, Paul's talking about the Macedonians. He says, and they exceeded our expectations now listen to this, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So understand, there was an order. They gave their heart first to the Lord and then by the will of God, they gave to Paul. I want you to recognize, giving always starts with the giving of our heart, not our money. And it's important that we get this. Because if we don't, we can end up at times using money as a substitute for giving God our heart. For uh, for some, money can be a way of just saying, keeping God at arm's length. So let's go, here you go, God. Here's my money. Now I'm going to give you the Heisman, arm's length. Don't touch the rest of my life. Take my money. Now stay away. Listen, if that's you, you got the order wrong. God wants your heart. This is what Jesus challenged the religious elites of his day on in the book of Matthew. He said, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a 10th of your spices, mint and dill, he's talking about the spices, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law. These are hard issues, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So what's he saying? Yes, it's right to give, but it's not to be a substitute for giving God your heart. You understand, he's talking about matters of the heart, justice and mercy and faithfulness. And so you might just stop right now. If that's you today, I'd encourage you just to stop right now and say, Lord, forgive me for neglecting to give you my heart. You just might tell him even right now, Lord, I surrender my entire life to you, it's yours. So giving starts with the giving of our heart, not our money. And here's the fourth truth we see. Giving is to be excelled in, not excused away. It's to be excelled in, not excused away. Look back, at, let's look at verse seven now, verses six and seven. It goes on to say, so we urge Titus just as we had earlier, To bring also to completion this act of grace, there's the word grace, on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see also, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So understand, he says, listen, you guys are doing great. You're excelling in faith, in speech, in love. But what's happening, he's writing, is because basically they're excusing away their pledge to give. And you know, many times I think we can do something similar. We say, well, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm serving in the church. I'm excelling there so I can excuse away the giving part because I'm doing this over here, so it's all good. You know, I'm really getting into God's word. I'm studying it. It's every day. I'm reading from God's word. I'm, I'm excelling. I'm growing in my knowledge of God's word. And so since I'm good here... It kind of compensates for I can kind of excuse away the giving part. It's okay that I don't give. But from this passage, Paul would say, hey, it's great that you're excelling as a servant, that you're growing in your knowledge of God's word, but just as you're excelling there, I want you to excel in your giving. You know, when I think about excelling in giving, I'm reminded of a man named R.G. Letourneau. I was just talking about him. My father-in-law had reminded me of him this week. Not only was my wife's dorm in college named after him, she, when her dorm her freshman year was Letourneau Hall, but just a mile or two north of our church here in Peoria, if you just go up Knoxville, the Wheels of Time Museum, you will see there a statue of R.G. Letourneau dedicated to him. And there's also his little steel house that they have outside there. Y'all, I, I got to take a picture of the statue yesterday when it was raining. On the bottom there it says mover of mountains and men. Now R.G. was known as the prolific inventor of earth moving machinery. In fact in 1935 at the urging of the Caterpillar Tractor Company, he moved his business from California to Peoria, Illinois. And if you go look at his statue you'll see he was nicknamed the dean of earth moving. But he had another nickname. And his other nickname you'll see on the on the thing out there that talks about him is God's businessman. Why is he known as God's businessman? Because he excelled in giving. In fact, he and his wife lived their life reverse tithing on a 90-10 split. 90% of his income went to the Lord and 10% went to them. In fact, not just 90% of his income, but I was reading this week that 90% of his company's profits he gave back to the Lord. Here's a man who wasn't content to excuse away giving, but said, you know what? I'm going to excel in giving. And he just kept giving and giving and giving. In fact, on his statue, if you go out there and look at it, it says, this is, this is his words, we need a greater realization of the fact that spiritual things are worth more than material things. I want you to imagine the impact we could have on our community and around the world if we all embraced the Bible's teaching and the attitude of RG and said, I'm going to live for things that are more important than pleasing myself and just having a bunch of stuff. Imagine what churches could do across this country if we all said, I'm not gonna excuse away giving. I'm going to excel in giving. So here's the question I want you to reflect on this week. I wanna encourage you to spend some time with the Lord and just reflect on this. Am I excelling in giving or am I excusing away giving? Am I excelling in it or am I ex- excusing it away? You know, maybe you're here and you've seen pastors and churches mishandle finances and manipulate people into giving. And so maybe you, you, know, you came from a church where that happened and you've made a vow, never again am I gonna give to a local church. Listen, if that's, if that's you today, I am so sorry that you experienced that. It grieves my heart that this happens in churches today. That is not the example we see in the Bible. But I would also say to you, don't let someone else's abuse be the justification for you shutting yourself off to what the scripture teaches. God, giving is something God calls us to excel in, I want you to stand as we close, and I want to pray with you. So we've just we've just talked about we looked at a passage talking about giving. Maybe you're saying, okay, uh, you know, Pastor John, what what am I? What do you want me to do now? What am I supposed to do? And here's what I'm going to say: I'm not going to tell you that, because giving is between you and the Lord. And so in this moment, I just want, just, just, just you and the Lord, I want you to just ask the Lord this question, ask the Holy Spirit this question. You just say, Holy Spirit, what would you have me do in response to your word today? I think that's a great question to ask. Holy Spirit, what would you have me do in response to your word today? Lord, I thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I thank you for the generosity of your people. And Lord, as we, as we let your word touch our hearts today, I pray that each of us would be moved to say, you know what, I'm gonna be someone who doesn't excuse away giving, but I'm gonna excel in giving. I'm gonna put God first in everything I do. And Lord, I pray that as your people do that, I thank you for the promise that you will bless, Lord. And so I pray, because you bless obedience, Lord, I pray as your people are obedient, you would pour out your blessing on your people. We thank you for what you've done today. We thank you for your word. And we pray you give us courage to respond in obedience. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on, give the Lord praise for what he's done today. Thank you, Lord. Love you, Lord. Church, is so great to see you. Have a great day. If you need prayer for anything, we'll have the prayer team down front. We would love to pray with you. Hope you have a great week. We'll look forward to seeing you back next week as we continue in this two-part series. Northwoods Online, thanks so much for tuning in. Always great to have you with us. If you need prayer for anything as well, we'll have a prayer team online. Have a great week.
0: Well, how awesome is it to be in this series, Tithing Explained, and just to get to learn a little bit more about what the Bible says about yep. giving and tithing. I'm so grateful for that. And and I'm also looking forward to the You Asked For It series after, that's coming up after Easter. And so again, if you haven't sent in a question that you have on your mind, there are only a few more days left to do that. We're gonna close that submission process on March 8th. So get your questions in
1: today. Well, be sure to join us again next week as we do wrap up that series on Tithing Explained. Um, Come back for some more explanation on that so we can have a good grasp on that. And you know what? Enjoy the rest of your afternoon and we'll see you next week.